now, back to the Pete McMurray Show. Here's Pete, Rob, and Lisa. Rob, you want to start us out? I do. Uh, our next guest, he wrote the greatest theme in all of sports, which Rob can't wait to talk about a little bit later. We learned the last time he was on the show that we shared the same doctor, which we will get to. He's a radio talk show host. He is a composer. He is a father. He is a six-time Grammy Award winner, a cancer survivor. His book is entitled Relentless, and he's a guy that's always happy. Let's say hello to John Tesh. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Well, first of all, let me just say, you're always so gracious to come on the show and always so responsive, and you have a great team of people, and that's a reflection of you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, we have, we, we have a, a small team of people who are versatile. I mean, that's, I, I, I remember giving a speech at some college somewhere where, you know, the questions were all, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the number one thing I should, I should do to get a job? And I said, make yourself unfireable. Right. You got to you got to be able to do five or six things. And I think I think COVID I think COVID taught us that. Right. Yeah. Where it's like you got you know, no one's coming to save you. you got to figure it out yourself. Uh, no, they sure are yeah. not. Well, let me just run through this, guys. I don't know if you've seen John's book, Relentless. John Tesh was suspended from college. John, you can comment when we're done. John Tesh suspended from college. John Tesh was homeless for months. John Tesh became the youngest correspondent at WCBS in New York at the time, less than 36 months after he was working at a gas station and sleeping in a public park. Let's go through these one by one. You were suspended from college. What happened? If you want to figure out uh, what you should be doing with your life, and a lot of people had that, wanted that revelation you know, coming out of COVID, is, is look at yourself, go back and remember yourself as a 10-year-old, because whatever you were yes. doing then, it's probably what you should be doing now. And it's like, ah, it sounds too simple. But when you look at it, when I was 10, I was making movies with an eight millimeter camera and uh, I was horribly skinny. I was, I, I weigh 220 now, I'm 6'6". Six, six. In junior high, I was same height, 6'6", six, six. I weighed 152. Oh my no one was talking. No one was talking to me on Sadie Hawkins Day. Wow. People know what the hell that is. Oh, but uh, but, but I, was, I was creating stuff, right? But my dad was, was vice president of, of Hanes Underwear uh, in New York. And so... He decided that that I needed a real job, which a lot of people did back then, right? My of dad course. was probably the greatest. Uh, you got to find a real job, son. Right, right. So you can fall back if, if you got to have something to fall back on. Uh, so he sent me. He enrolled me in in textile chemistry at North Carolina State in uh, in 1970 when I graduated from high school. A, a early decision. He wanted to get me in there early, and I lasted about I don't know maybe two and a half three years. And and I and then somebody, uh, my friend Steve Thomas, introduced me to radio television 101. And I took that course and within, I don't know, two hours, I was dropping courses uh, because that's what I wanted to do. And so I got to my statistics professor and he said, no, 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 we're past the drop ad date. But he said, no, you got to have to stick it out because I'm not going to sign this. And so on advice from a fraternity brother, I may have had a beer. I signed, <laughs> Maybe. I, signed I forged his name. I forged the statistics professor's name to a drop ad card. Fast forward to three months later. My dad got a letter from the university saying that I had I had broken the honor code and I was being suspended indefinitely. And then my dad called me into his office with a scotch in his left hand and a Kent cigarette in his right oh. and read the uh, and read read the letter and then told me I was no I was no longer welcome in, in his house, as he put it. I, I brought dishonor and he went through the whole list. I, I dishonored him, my mom, my uh, my mom's bridge club. 
the an underwear oh, yeah. division of Hanes, you know, uh-huh. was always things. So I knew I was done. Wow. Uh, Tell us how you were homeless and working at a gas station. Then you got the job in New York City. Yeah, I mean, so so I was at that point. I was officially homeless because I didn't have a home. Uh, I didn't know where else to go. So I, I just drove back to school. And by the way, that's an interesting experience to be uh, suspended from college and be in the same college town yeah. that you were in. You know, where, where you're, you're all of a sudden you're. You know, my girlfriend Susan broke up with me, and I mean, you'd go to a party, right? And you were the kid who was not in school. You ever remember that kid? The kid that was not in school? You know, no. kid? Yeah, that, kid like, was... You're like tainted. Don't look at <laughs> yeah. me. I might get your stink on me. Yep. I might rub off. Absolutely. No association with John yeah, Tesh. I, I might get kicked out. Yeah. And, and by the way, my stink was was motor oil because I was working at a gas station. So it was like it was pretty easy <laughs> that, to that's see. That's like worse than double secret probation. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. And I had yeah. terrible, my fingernails were all dirty and I had dirt on my fingernails. So anyway, uh, I, I, I had a friend of mine that, that was in the radio lab at WKNC and NC state and i he let me break into the uh, studio he left me a key and i i wrote I, I made a demo tape I, I i created a fake radio broadcast you know with the helicopter report that we've all done but, oh, traffic is reasonably heavy <laughs> nice and, and and so they get scott why do i still stay in touch with a wkix in raleigh the rick d station and he <laughs> said did you do all these noises and everything and i said yeah and he goes well i need to give you a job playing the religious tapes on sunday and i said i'll take it and uh, and i got a job and i and then I just kept sending tapes around and stuff. And yeah, like you said, in, in 36 months, I mean, I don't know if that could even happen now. Man. I'm at 23 years old. I'm anchoring the news with John Stossel and Meredith Vieira and Brian Williams and all those guys at Channel 2 in New York. But, but what he said, though, is, you know, it's perseverance and be flexible. Yeah. And, 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 and be an intern, right? I mean, don't yeah. say no to internships. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love when we have you on because it reminds me of I, I, I take notes throughout my life. And one of the things that I always go back to when I'm in between jobs or at a crossroads in my life is think about when you were 22, how you had no fear calling anyone or doing anything. So I always try to go back there and think, no fear, just go for it. You know, that's so smart. I mean, it is that thing of, in fact, even when I, when I launched my uh, first public television special, people didn't look, see me as, a, as an artist, a recording artist. Of course not. I was the guy in entertainment tonight. Right. But you call up every single public television station and talk to the programmer. And, and this is, you know, I, I know we're going to, you know, we're eventually going to talk to, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Schaefer, Ted Schaefer. This is how I found him is that I, I cold called uh, Johns Hopkins, you know, and, and tracked him down. Same story. I love it, man. John Tesh is here. John, we're going to take a quick break. More with John and his cold calling. We'll talk about that coming up next. <laughs> now back to the Pete McMurray Show. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Pete McMurray. John Tesh is our guest this morning. And we were talking about John Tesh cold calling a hospital to get help with his cancer. And Lisa, you had a question. Could any old regular person cold call Johns Hopkins or do you need to be John Tesh to get a response from that? Well, it's a good question. And, and, you know, um, the old double-edged sword thing. So when I was on entertainment tonight, back in the day, 86 to 96, right? So 87, 88 was when I was trying to get a record deal. 23 million people a night were watching entertainment tonight. That that's not hyperbole. I mean, there was no, the only way to see a, uh, a movie trailer, for example, was either, in the movie theater or on ET, you know? And so what happened was I became the guy and I had had a whole life of news and sports, but I was the guy that read the celebrity birthdays on entertainment tonight. 
that was me. And so when I went to, you know, Columbia Records or Sony or whatever, they didn't want the guy that was reading, you know, Phil Collins birthday uh, on their label, you know? So, so it was, it, yeah, sure. It was easy to get somebody to pick up the phone call, but then years later, 2015, I'd been off ET forever. People don't really know who I am. And so I'm calling Johns Hopkins and I had, I told them that I was a journalist trying to talk to Dr. Patrick Walsh, who was one of the pioneers of the da Vinci uh, prostatectomy uh, machine. And, uh, and, and about halfway through the conversation, he said, you know, you sound like a journalist who has prostate cancer. <laughs> oh <my laughs> it sort of busted me, you know? So yeah, wow. I mean, the cold calling thing can really be dangerous. It, it can hurt. You know? Well, I, there are quite a few people out there that have seen the YouTube video. Uh, John and his orchestra were in concert, and I don't know what city it was in. But John went through the story of how Round Ball Rock came about, and he will obviously tell it much better than I do. But John, <laughs> up on stage, well, but up on it's stage, great. John actually has the tape recording mm -hmm. of him calling himself because you had the idea and you didn't want to lose the idea. Is that correct, John? Yeah, it's a true yeah. story, and and it is sort of goofy when you see it on uh, on, on YouTube. But basically, I was in Europe covering uh, a sporting event. And I, I found out that NBC, I was looking for, they had just taken the, uh, the, the coverage, the rights to the NBA basketball away from CBS. And they were just sort of, I, I learned through, and this was, again, was sort of being connected, but I learned through the sports world that they were looking for a new theme. And I thought, why don't I jump on this before John Williams and Hans Zimmer get yeah, in there? Right? <laughs> and I was trying to think of, I was trying to think of what it would sound like. You know, and said, because I had been writing sports music, uh, you, you know, the truth be told, for five or six years for the Tour de France and for I, I had stuff running on, uh, on on football and even golf, you know, uh, songs, uh, themes. And so I, uh, I got this idea in the middle of the night, as the story goes, and I, I didn't have a I didn't have manuscript paper, I didn't have a keyboard in front of me. And so I, and when I tell this story, I have to put a picture of the answering machine uh, on the screen because people don't know what I'm talking about, you know. Uh, some of the youngins, right? And I called my answering machine back in New York, and I left that message for myself. You know, and the answering machine, you know, cut me off, and so I called back. You know, when I got I got back like two weeks later, and I I put the answering machine on the I don't have the piano plugged into you guys, but you can probably hear it. But um, I put the answering machine on the uh, on the piano and just but then but I because I knew because I knew you know uh the sports world right I knew that they needed the um that the that they needed the uh, um, advertiser bed, like the end of like, brought to you by yes. yeah. Colgate Pumpkin. Chill zone. Right, Gillette. Yeah, the, right, right, the chill bed. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. ah, there it is, Marv yeah. Albert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but, but the real key, we're talking about being relentless, like the real key for this thing for me was before I sent it in, I didn't send in the gang, 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 you know, Bugs Bunny uh, alien thing. Uh, I didn't even send in a piano demo. I had my band uh, uh, play it. And then I hired like 30, 30 strings. No way. And went into a studio, right. And, 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 and hired an arranger to, to do all, you know, to, to, uh, with, with brass and strings to do that. And we mixed it up for like three, you know, three days. 
sent it to Dick Ebersol. But before I sent it to him, I transferred it to a VHS tape that had highlights of, of, of the San Antonio Spurs versus uh, the LA Lakers on perfection. there. Oh, wow. And so, right. So they could, and then I did that. And then, and this is actually in the, this, these details are in the book, but, but I, there was something wrong with it. And I, and I was working with an editor back then. He goes, you know, I think your, I think your theme is, 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 is slower than the fast break. So I figured out what the fast break was, you know, and fast break is like, so disco's 120, right? Oh my Ooh, God. Love to love you, baby. Wow. But, 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 but rap music today and a fast break is 132. So once I had it at 132, cause I was going like this. But, but it's really like this. Right, wow. so it's a whole different thing. Yeah. See, so that when, first when, one when, is like the PGA. Yeah, that's you know. Right. Hey, welcome to Augusta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting ready to tee off. Lefty yeah. Phil Mickelson <laughs> at the famed 16. By the way, Phil Mickelson, I'm doing his thing now because he's an older guy who's really successful. So I fast before a concert. I fast and I have a. Egyptian coffee with uh, with with MCT oil in it. That's 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 how what? he wins. Apparently, you're kidding. Yeah, he's got this like wow. ketone fast thing he does. How long is the fast? Because I feel like I need to do it before every show. No, don't tell Pete anything <laughs> about <laughs> diets or. Fasting. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, ser- seriously, we we fast twenty hours a day. My wife and I. Twenty. No chance oh. I can do that. Well you, well, you just you you eat like a. I mean, listen. You eat like crazy for four hours. Oh, I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> I would, oh, that would be but, but anyway, so just, just to finish the story is what, what I did was I um, uh, I sent a VHS tape, not a cassette tape, a VHS tape in 1990. So he's in there, you know, they're going through stuff. And, and so he sees the thing fully formed. It's the whole thing. So you, you, I get a phone call. John, this, I'm sorry, but this just works. You know, can we have that mix? And they just use that mix. And you uh, sold yeah. it to NBC. And it's the greatest sports theme ever. I love it. You get pumped up every time you hear it. I mean, how do you not get pumped up? Rob can actually sing it. That's how crazy, you know, people are about this song. I've watched John's YouTube video so many times. I've made my my fiance watch it. Uh Uh, Our son is a basketball player. He now here's the thing. He's younger. He had never heard it before. Oh, funny. And I said, what? Jay, you've got to, you've got to watch this. And he watched it. And he goes, oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. It's uh, timeless. Yeah. Have you seen the, uh, have you seen the Saturday Night Live spoof? We play that on stage. Oh my gosh. Jason Sudeikis plays oh, me in, in the same vest that I have uh, on, on the Avalon show, which, which is what you saw in Catalina. Yeah. And he has, has his brother. Dave Tesh, I don't have a brother, but they get there. What they're doing is they're, they're, they're demoing the mute. They're demoing the lyrics of the, of the theme for, um, I can't remember who the, who the, who the host oh, aren't was. Aren't they in That's, an office? I think they go yes. into an office and it's right, like a, it's right. like a, an executive's office. Right. Wait, wait, I just exactly. found it on YouTube. Vince Vaughn was the host. Here it is. You guys know Tess. This guy is amazing. You know, he wrote the theme to entertainment tonight. Okay. How you guys doing? Hello, everyone. Uh, this is my brother right here, Dave Tesh. It's a pleasure. Well, John, when my boss told me we needed a new theme song for the NBA on NBC, I knew what time it was. Tesh 30. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, okay, well, let's see what we got for you. Uh, 
Basketball, gimme, gimme, gimme the ball because I'm gonna. And then they high five. That sounds like Jason Sudeikis. That's so funny. And just to let people know, listening, we either have uh, our guests call in on the phone or they can do Zoom. You're on Zoom right now, and you're in your studio. How many keyboards do you have? I can see two. Well, this is a, this is actually I see a real organ. Yeah, yeah, that's the key. This is the whole thing right here. Behind me is a 1964 Hammond organ that my wow. wife gave me for Father's Day when we were uh, when we were first married. But that's yeah, that that's that's really that's that's the sound right that everybody wanted in the 19 yeah. 1960s. Um, this this is actually uh, a piano that's out of tune. But this piano is normally connected <laughs> to that keyboard, so that I, I don't. I, I just sort of like the attitude to thing, you know. Um, are those the, your little league trophies in back too? That I yes, they are. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, the, the participation trophies. Yeah, people always make <laughs> fun of me for those things. I say, you know, why do you have why do you have Emmys back behind you? I said to remind me that I haven't done anything in about ten years. Come on, <laughs> Aww, you're doing it. Uh, right, let me, let me, John, real quickly, where does the music? come from obviously you've always been very interested in it you were disgustingly talented but where, where did that come from i think it was just desperate for attention you know i i had a i had a i had a father john senior who did not suffer fools gladly i was the only i was the youngest kid in the family uh, my parents were exhausted from raising uh, two girls in the 1960s and and so i was left alone a lot but you know, he was one of those guys. I mean, listen. When I wrote my book, uh, the publisher wanted me to say that my family, was, that my dad was abusive. I'm like, what are you talking about? He was just a he was just a World War II veteran, and right. you know, in nineteen in the 1950s. But it was, I, I I would bring him trophies, right? Whatever, you know, participation trophy mostly for me, or most improved <laughs> is what I got a lot. Uh, and and it would be like, oh, or or you bring home a B, and he goes, where's the B plus? That kind of thing. So it was always that kind of, you know, trying to try, try, trying to get noticed. And I, I was really unpopular. People you just ask people at Garden City High School. I was just very unpopular. It was a what would you, what you would call a performing arts high school. But uh, I was just not I, I was not the, uh, the captain. I played the small sports. I played soccer and lacrosse because I didn't have enough meat on me to get insured for football. <laughs> so oh I, I think God. it was just sort of sort of trying to trying to get noticed, you know, yeah. uh, as far as far as writing, though, I like to write on assignment where it's like, OK, I, I need to do this. And it needs to be finished by then. I don't I don't like sit around and go, I'm the last one at the party. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is a love song. See, I wish I could do that. Just break out I went through song. Or, or Adele or Adele. I went through a, a divorce. Uh, hello. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I mean, she wrote a great album because of that. John, you should know that Lisa is a trained classical singer. So she no, understands just, all the musical well, I just stuff. Really, I just really outed myself, didn't I? It's not that. Oh, gosh, no, never. I judge no one. Who am I? We're talking with John Tesh. John, I'm going to take a quick break. But first, in 2015, you heard the worst possible news that anyone could hear. You found out you had cancer, and then they told you you have 18 to 24 months to live. And coming up next, we're going to talk to the guy that you say saved your life. Did save my life. How about, How about that? that? Yeah. From Northwestern Hospital in Chicago, Dr. Ted Schaefer will join us. And follow all of us on social media, John Tesh, at John Tesh Radio on Twitter. And, of course, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pete McMurray. More John Tesh coming up next. More of the Pete McMurray Show next. Now, back to the Pete McMurray Show. 
We have John Tesh for one more segment. Uh, right before commercial, we talked about the doctor that saved John's life. He's also my doctor, too, from Northwestern Hospital in downtown Chicago. Dr. Ted Schaefer joins us. Ted, walk us through saving John's life. Well, I think that um, it's a team approach, the entire team of people that have been involved in his care over the years. And I listened to John's history, and he was right that, you know, it's so valuable for patients to read up on what they have. And, you know, the, the power of the Internet is just substantial. And, and so he was incredibly knowledgeable and asked very, very good questions. I would say that one of the things I told John was I do think that your primary care doctor really did save your life because he was doing exams. Remember, we talk about screening for prostate cancer, and people always emphasize that, oh, just get the blood test. You'll be fine. And there's very few internists who will just do a rectal exam. And that's part of the screening process for prostate cancer. And John's internist did that. And that's how his cancer was picked up. I'm happy that he's doing so well now and privileged to be part of that care team. John, did you come to Chicago and have him perform the surgery or was it out east? Where was it? He was he was at Johns Hopkins at the time. And then he eventually, uh, Dr. Schaefer, eventually went on to become the head of urology at Northwestern, replacing his dad, actually, in that in that, that right. position. One of the things I've, I found from talking to Ted, my PSA was 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 historically low, a 0.4 for like five years. And Ted will tell you that that just that's just like, well, there's nothing going on. But there is a thing which I which I had called uh, non PSA producing prostate cancer. And so he found lumps, Dr. Galen did, that were that were substantial the the grading of my tumors my tumors were like nine out of ten you know mm-hmm. and so in that case it's sort of like well you have to have surgery and there's a thing called extra prostatic um whatever it is Extension. i mean it's it, the prostate the, the prostate cancer was coming out of the capsule of the prostate and getting ready to invade the rest of my body so it was ur- it was urgent it was urgent that he operate on me well ted before you answer let me ask you this because he had low psa levels but thank god they did the exam he would have been dead yeah, his intern has saved his life. Cancers don't really read the textbooks. So John's cancer didn't read the textbooks and say, hmm, what's the classic presentation for this? So it's important that, you know, when you're all your listeners out there hear your story and, and, and when talking about with their primary doctors, you know, what should I do? And, and I think it's important to have a discussion. We call it shared decision making about should I get screened for prostate cancer? And and that discussion involves the overall health of the patient and we, you know, we, what we anticipate their life expectancy to be. And then if you guys decide, if they decide together to do the screening, then the screening involves a blood test, but it also involves an examination. And that's a rectal exam, as, as John uh, mentioned. And that's important because around maybe as high as 10% of prostate cancers today are picked up only because of an exam, not because of something with a blood test. But, but, but Ted, I, I would think that because of COVID and people, you know, missing their exams and stuff, I would imagine that right now, there are a lot of people who should have been treated a, a, a year ago, but, but, uh, but have uh, advanced disease. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, that was always our great fear. And I think most people are okay, but I would also like to underscore that as John alluded to, and he's maybe being a little bit too hard on himself, you know, I, I think as physicians, think about cancers in a very kind of sterile fashion. I always think about my patients, but I think I think one of our deficiencies as doctors is that we, um, some of the 
holistic part of the medical process can be lost. There's a lot to unpack, a lot to process and go through. And I think that John and Connie were just a tremendous pair. They were partners. And they were really good at, you know, just by their own actions, that it is a blend of following the science and following your faith and having, you know, a family there to be supportive. So um, I think that John's beating himself up a little bit too much about missing a scanner here or there. The bottom line is that you have to kind of think about integrating your cancer and your cancer treatment into your personal life relationships. And mm-hmm. so as as um, John and I have discussed, it's really toughest for men who are, or women who have cancers that are single, where having a support network is hard. So so John was blessed with, and I know that he knows this already, uh, a partner who has really been able to help him and carry him through this process, which is obviously truly spectacular. And John, John you read my mind because I was going to say, you know, uh, during the pandemic, no one saw their doctor or, or very few people saw their doctors. It's time to get back regular doctors. I have many doctors. Always listen to your body. We say that on the show so many times. Listen to your body. If it doesn't feel right, something's wrong. Go see your doctor. Yep. Exactly. But I'll also say I had no symptoms. And so, uh, yeah, listen to your body and and listen to the doctor who, who really wants you to come in for regular screenings and make sure you're getting the right screening. Right, Ted? Yep. You're exactly right. And uh, Ted, before you go, I just want to state on the radio that I am your number one patient, not John Tesh. Is that right? <laughs> yes. You know, we share the same doctor, John. I just wanted to. Well, I mean, for all your listeners, Pete, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy. This Ted, you're the best. I'll doctor. see you soon. All right. Thanks, John. Great Thanks, to hear Ted. your voice. Say hi to Connie. You, Give her a hug for me, okay? You too, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. He is one of the smartest people I've ever met. My brother had prostate cancer. I introduced him to Ted. He took care of it, you know, and it's just, you you can't stress it enough. People need to get back to the doctor. You guys thought that we were just going to go through the NBA on NBC theme. I mean, this this was a deep talk with John Tesh. Uh, John Tesh, great to uh, talk to you, John. It really is. Thank you for coming on. It's my pleasure. It's been not only a lot of fun, but you, you did some good. You know, you're using your platform for good. Thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. I love it. Say hello to your wife, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. John Tesh, everybody. Rob, you want to take us out with the theme? Bye-bye.